0: Welcome to Force Spikes. As always, I am your host, Jonathan, along with my co-host, Greg. Hey, everybody. And we have two awesome guests with us today. We have uh, TSG on once again from Hardcast, and you also know him from uh, ChannelFireball.com. Hey, TSG.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. And hopefully I'm coming in a lot clearer on your podcast today than I did on my own uh, in the previous week. So if you can hear me and I'm not sounding like a robot or cutting out, then everything's on the up and up.
0: Absolutely, although Robot TSG is pretty dope, so we'll have to figure that one out later. I Um, I
1: didn't think he would catch on at all. I would kind of (laughs) picture, like, uh, what's Rosie from the Jetsons? Only like (laughs) a major version. I don't know. I kind of pictured my robot self being kind of chunky and not really appealing. But all right, I mean, uh, apparently there's an audience for that already. I'll look into it.
0: Only one way to find out. Uh, And uh, we also have uh, Taya Steele, who uh, is joining us today. Hello, Taya.
2: Hey. Hey, Thanks and, for having me as well.
0: Yeah. And I'm happy to be a robot. <laughs> okay. And uh, Your name
1: lends itself so well to it, it seems like something that would be easily ported.
0: That's true. Thank and, you. And, uh, Tao we've, we've been trying to have on for a while, although we want to, for our audience, uh, split up our kind of cube-related podcast and non-cube-related podcast because uh, we are, you know, geared towards more competitive Stuff, so uh, we've kind of been working around Tay, and she has graciously joined us uh, finally. And and thank you for for coming on. Before we get started, let's uh, quick give a shout out to a couple things. First of all, we want to say uh, you guys should all check out mastadmirers.wordpress.com, which is Taya's blog, and it has all the information about her cube. Uh, It's got a visual spoiler, which looks great up there, um, and a bunch of other cool input. Although, it looks like uh, you're saying you haven't been updating it so frequently, hey?
2: I haven't been doing much besides just, you know, things that I've changed in my cube recently, so I've just been a little little busy. Mm -hmm. But, um, if you look back, I, you know, used to write more stuff about just kind of general cube articles, um, which I'm hoping to get back to in the future.
0: Cool. And, uh, you also, uh, we're, we're not your first, uh, appearance on a podcast. Hey, you were recently on super friends on their first show.
2: Yeah. So my husband, uh, Justin Treadway started a podcast and, um, I was the episode, just kind of a proof of concept. So I you
0: can check that out. Okay. So... One other quick shout-out we want to give is to our uh, Facebook community. Um, we had our episode last, uh, our, our last episode we had um, a special guest on as well. We had uh, Gerard Fabiano, um, who is now a Pro Tour eligible, and we put a little uh, kind of trivia, a little quiz up there. And uh, Rob Bergman knew, uh, so... We'll give him a little what what, although he got a sneak preview at the FNM before. Um, Alex, uh, got it right away. Uh, Rob had a very, Rob Martin, uh, who is on the hardcast with, uh, TSG, had a good guess of Pat Chapin, who is also pro eligible this year. Um, but also Steve McNulty, so, uh, we want to give those guys a good shout-out. Good job, Rob, Alex, and Steve, and good try, Rob. And uh, thanks for checking out our Facebook. And if you're not um, already checking out our Facebook, please do go online and uh, friend us or whatever. On uh, Just search for Four Spikes on Facebook, and, and you'll see us. You can like our page. So those are our shout-outs. Anything else, Greg, before we move on?
3: No, not high level. Okay.
0: Well, uh, in that case... Uh, let's get. I do.
3: I, I, do, I do think uh, we, we may have we may have um, glanced over um, thinking uh, MTG Cast,
0: oh, uh, right, right. Channel
3: Fireball and uh, Games Universe. Um, th- uh, all three of those websites are uh, contributing in one way, shape, or form to um, probably how the, whoever is listening to us right now is listening to us. So uh, we definitely thank all three of those guys for sponsoring us.
0: Yeah, uh, we do, and and uh, we're not on Game Universe yet. The guy uh, who does their web stuff is in Las Vegas right now, and then the other guy um, is catching up on old work. So we will be up there shortly, but yes, absolutely. Thank you to ChannelFireball.com, to MTGCast.com, and soon-to-be uh, Game Universe. Thanks for that, Greg. I'm really excited to jump into the cube discussion. Is that cool with you guys?
1: Uh, I'm fine with it. I, I mean... Uh you guys bill yourselves as the competitive podcast i wouldn 't want to rob i don 't know how your hardcore listeners are kind of uh, spread across your demographics i don 't know if they're interested in cube right up front but I'm all i'm all about either, so you, you lay it on me
0: okay well I, i'm super excited i've been waiting to talk to tay about this for a long time so we're going to switch our show notes around a little bit. Standard, we're going to talk about later. We're also going to talk about the current coverage in uh, Barcelona and SCGLA, and uh, we'll get into a couple other a couple other things about the current season. But before that, uh, let's get right into cubing. Uh, and Taya has actually been a incredible... I don't want to say... Uh, I, I don't know exactly how to describe it. I want to say... Um, Kind of influence, but a word that's stronger than that. But a huge, she's had a huge impact on the online community because uh, she's actually done a lot for cubing online, which I never heard about before until I randomly came across her uh, videos that she put out. Uh, she put out a video series of drafting the cube online, which are awesome. And people can find that on YouTube, right, Taya?
2: Those are on um, Vimeo, they're in the Star City archives, and some of them are on cubedrafting.com.
0: Okay. And uh, do you, well, first of all, before we get started on that, let's just talk about exactly what uh, your online cube consists of, how it works, and how, uh, people, can, how people can do it themselves or, or find out about it or get involved with that. Sure.
2: So, um, so the way online cubing basically works is that I have um, in my collection on Magic Online all the cards that are in my cube. And when I put a draft together, um, you know, I get eight people and we draft on tappedout.net, which is a great site and lets you do um, free drafting of um, normal sets and also custom, um, custom sets that you use. And so we draft there and then um, everyone exports their um, list of cards they drafted to Magic Online. And I trade them the cards they need, and then, you know, we play three rounds or so. So it's really fun. And um, uh, as far as getting that started, it's um, actually, I've had a lot of help. Like, people have loaned me cards, um, and that's kind of made it a lot easier. But um, putting um, putting together a cube is, I mean, anyone could do that if you wanted to put the cards together.
0: Mm-hmm. And how long did it take you to get the online cube set up and, and running?
2: I actually probably had the first version going about three days after I um, after I decided I wanted to do it. Wow. That's definitely through the generosity of other people as well. Um, Ryan and Marshall from Limited Resources loaned me a lot of cards. They were excited about the idea, too. Um, and then since then, other people who've drafted my cube have, um, have loaned me cards to triple cool.
0: Is your is your cube the one that they have cubed with? Is that what they refer to on their show?
2: Um, they've I know they've cubed in real life too, but the one they've drafted online is mine.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I heard them mention that a while ago, and and that was uh, that was how I got the idea to first uh, start looking for that, and that's how I found your video. So that's funny. Okay, small world. Is there any other online cubes that you know about? Or is yours kind of like the main one in, in the community?
2: So on Tapped Out, you can look at other people's cubes, and I've seen some that are labeled as Magic Online. So um, I'm guessing someone else is doing that, but I'm not sure of anyone specifically who's done so. Um, one of the people who's been drafting my cube might try to put their combo cube online online. Which would be really cool, completely different experience. Um, but I don't know much about that. I'm just really excited to try it if it actually does put it online. Um, and I know some people have done the same thing of drafting um, on tapped out and then playing on free, um, like the free software that lets you play games, like the Magic Workstation, I guess. I'm not sure. I haven't done that. But um, I've only done it on Magic Online
0: okay and uh actually right now we're going to be joined by one of our other uh on and off uh, guest friends max so i'm just going to add him to this I like okay. that
3: phrase i like i like guest friend <laughs> he's a uh, occasionally our friend okay there we go max hey, hey really max
0: nice. all right so uh max today we have Taya Steele um, from uh yeah. Myriad of things, but she also has set up one of the f- first that I know of, online cubes, and also TSG from ChannelFireball.com and from Hardcast. Um, and Max is an on-again, off-again friend of the show, uh, and also a uh, on-again, off-again Pro Tour uh, uh, player. Um, so, yeah, anything you want to say, Max, before we continue? Uh, no, I'm good. Okay. Well, Taya, um, let me ask you this. How did you first get the idea for your online cube? What was, what was the impetus for that?
2: So I got the idea to start um, cubing online because um, I don't usually get to draft with the whole eight people. I usually win some draft, and it's a pretty different experience, and I kind of missed um, actually actually getting to draft for real. And I wanted to be able to have a way to introduce the cube to people who you know, I knew from you know, online, but who weren't close enough to actually cube in real life. So it was just kind of a project about like, making cube more accessible and also just getting to draft more.
0: That's awesome. so. It's basically out of necessity, living in yeah. Pennsylvania, not a huge magic community. That's awesome. I mean, out of necessity, a lot of great things are born, and that's a great idea. And Hi uh, how, how uh, would you say the community the online cubing community has grown since you've started uh, your cube and started playing with with people that you may or may not know that well?
2: Well, um, I've I mean it's definitely gotten fairly popular. I feel like I can fill up a cube draft you know a pretty short notice and people um, you know they're a group of people who draft a lot and people seem to. really want to do that so um, it's definitely grown in that way and um, I don't know it's been really fun I mean I I was a little bit nervous at first because there's no real safety mechanism you know like I'm just trading cards away to people Mm -hmm. and
0: um, and that's kind of like in real life too right like I know you know I've had stuff stolen from my cube from time to time and uh, that's that, that can be how it goes sometimes Right. Yeah.
2: I mean, I don't trash with my cube, my paper cube anywhere but at my house, just because I'm nervous about that. Not even that someone would steal something, but that you know, people would have a drink on the table or something would just get lost. You know, you you know, your time walk gets shuffled into the basic lands, and you know, (laughs) it's just, um, it's just kind of nerve wracking. But online, I just felt like you know, people were devoting some time to it, and um, you know, hopefully they weren't doing that just to try to steal my cards. <laughs> so, and it's, you know, it's worked out really well. Um, but it was definitely a little, I was definitely a little bit nervous about it at first.
3: One, one, one trick that, uh, we've found, um, when we, when we draft, uh, Tom's Cube, um, just so you kind of can, like, assess and like, feel a little better, is at the end of the process, after you, when you separate back into colors, uh, if you do that with your cube, um... You you count the the cards from each color and you can get in in the lands and, and everything and if you if you have two or three people doing helping you with that right at the very end it's very very clean um, yeah if, if the if you if you go back to your paper cube and and
1: uh,
2: right like that, so.
3: right yeah.
1: <clears throat> kind, of, kind of my safety mechanism is uh after you turn your lands back in that you've checked out you hand me back forty five cards from the cube and that's like it's not a 100% fail-safe, but uh, you, like, count them back to you afterwards. it's
0: actually... Well, especially if people have, like, unique sleeves and stuff like that for your cube.
1: Yeah, that's, mine's, that's mine idea. is pretty unique. I think I'm not, like... No one's going to swap with something they have with them. And for the most part, like, if I'm going to draft with eight people somewhere that I don't know, I like to have at least two or three people that I trust implicitly. And it gets harder the farther away from home that I get. But to me, like so much fun in cubing comes in the experience of meeting new people and playing games with them or just, like, having them see interactions they don't necessarily see all the time, especially with people that cube for the first time. And I, I love uh, the ability to meet people, interact with people through the cube, but I, I mean, I, I obviously share the same fear that everyone does in owning one and, and lending stuff out. And, like, if I, if I only cubed at home, I'd never cube. So I, I I have to run the risk, but I feel the same way. Where it's like I never—it's so hard for me to get eight people together and have the time to do it that I end up playing a two-man, four-man, and fingers-crossed six-man cubes um, anytime I have the opportunity to. But mm-hmm. I've, I've definitely found that okay. How many lands are you taking? All right, I'm going to need that many back from you. And at the end, like okay, count me forty-five cards. And like that usually makes me breathe a little bit easier when I like you know close up the box at four in the morning At an event site and then go straight to bed and not count anything. Yeah, it's actually a really clever idea.
0: Um, it's something I might have to incorporate in my real-life cube. I wonder if there's anything you could do like that for online
3: cubing.
1: Uh, I it? think that just the way MTGO is set up right now, it's not very good for it, but I think that if more kind of like social gaming mm-hmm. um more like the lending of cards through various means i mean cube is obviously something that's so different than oh i you know i need your cases for an event or i need your primeval titans for an event and then you just you know, like the old the old-fashioned way i write it in my comments box to make sure that i never forget and that everyone i know also sees it um if, you know if if at some point down the line of magic gathering online there's some way to uh like you know, if you could just like put a, a, a renting time limit on cards, like you can have this card for three hours starting now, and then once the time the countdown is over, it removes it from your 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 account and puts it back in somebody else's account. Or yeah, a
3: lend, I, I was I was thinking about that too, a lend, some kind of lending process. I don't know if if Watsi would actually develop that though, because it's it in, it encourages the concept of, of people not of not of of a lack of redundancy. Where they really want redundancy, they want you to open more packs to both
1: have well, the cart? I mean, they want more people to play at events more often. So, for yeah. example, if their events are good, i would going to want my 4Js. I'm not going to let you have them. Well, then we both need them. Damn it. Um, maybe, if
3: they, maybe if they add some way of, like, um, charging us for it. So
1: Sure, sure. I mean, I, like, like I'm, one I'm not saying they couldn't make more money off of process. I think on. that the way that you keep value on a lot of the digital objects online that seemingly don't have any is to be able to promote more social gaming like this. I mean, if you talk about the secondary market with so many cards that aren't, you know, tournament quote unquote playable in paper magic, you get to, you like, you know, QBDH commander, you know, the tribal variants, all these things like they drive up the value. They drive up the interest level. They promote the game they keep people interested in stuff you wouldn't otherwise normally be. And online it's, it's so different it's like this stark terrible black hole of a community where it's like only the top 5% of cards are worth something they're worth the most everything else is trash it doesn't matter so so trying to find more value more long-term value would be great and if it's something they're interested in, I think, promoting something like the social cubing, the lending mm-hmm. of cards. So, some way to kind of get cross collections would be a great thing to do.
0: Well, it's one of those things where in business you often find uh, kind of two different mentalities. You have, like, people who are interested okay. in long term community building and want to make it better and are willing to skimp a little bit on the short term profits for a long term community that will be more faithful and come back whereas you have people who just want to make the dollar up front and I think that's the is there some weird feedback coming
3: back oh, on my end is that me echoing um I hear it from Max I think Max's Max is mic isn't it's muted
0: oh my bad that's okay cool. cool Max any thoughts on on cubing and online cubing Max is definitely muted now. (laughs) Yeah, right.
1: It's so funny, like the contrast between doing a show like Monday Night Magic and doing you guys' <laughs> show where you have like four or five people on. On Monday Night Magic, no one ever mutes their microphone and they just yell at each other anytime they want to say anything at all. And you guys are so nice where it's like, you know what, I'm gonna take a turn now. I'm gonna mute, all right, I'm just gonna listen to this. Like I might want to interject, it's okay. I'm already on mute. I'm just gonna sit back and listen to them finish. And then maybe when there's there's this kind of awkward dead silence, which I never hear on Monday Night Magic, maybe I'll say something. Uh, I, I like the way you guys do things like if it was up to me right now there'd be at least two other people trying to talk over what I'm saying but I well, could go on I my, think you're uh, just going uh,
3: long intentionally to try and encourage <laughs> someone to do well that hits, we, that, uh, that hits we a little get, that's a
1: little get, close get, get, to home yeah.
0: for me because that's how all my family dinners were growing up forever so especially when like my aunts and uncles are in town so it's usually like whoever's loudest is rightest and you can have like four, four. or five different conversations even if there's only two or three people there but um, yeah I know how that goes
1: uh, before, before we lose this- this subject, the one, like, the bigger question I would want to ask Taya is, you manage this, uh, your blog post, this website for your updates, you've organized and coordinated this online cube, and you, you kind of manage it in a way. You also have written for Star City Games, which, you know, tier, I, I was following those articles, and they seem to have disappeared. I am definitely a follower. Um, how did your genesis of all these things come together, and where, where did the interest level... And the the drive and desire to not only build a cube, build that collection, but then maintain it at the level you do come from because it's a it's kind of a big deal. Like I mean, I, I can't find the time to write articles about mine anymore, despite the fact that I have such an interest level. And it seems like you do so much. Like where where did it all start? Is it is it a uh, is it like just kind of the way you are that you couldn't you know, like get involved in something unless you did it at this level, or you know, or is it something else? Like how did it happen for you?
2: Um, yeah, I tend to get involved in things, like, pretty, <laughs> pretty all in. Um, but I mean, the cube is, is how I learned to play magic, so it's just kind of I mean, it's just kind of been a big interest. Like it's really hard. I mean, I like other formats, and it's definitely not the only thing I care about. But um, I've always been really interested in the cube, and um, I did kind of not stop having enough time to write for Star City as well um, but the rest of it is all just stuff that you know I really I really want to do like I want to you know I want to give something back to the community because so I think that's one of the really great things about, um, about magic and um, I, I don't know I like, um, I like a, I'm like a data person so you know having a blog and like kind of managing stuff and doing yeah. the like, kind of statistics that kind of stuff is just kind of what I'm into <laughs>
1: No, well, it, it makes sense. I mean, for me, I I, I kind of started at it at a different angle. I started at it where the history of the game for me and the way I felt about it mattered so much to me, and that I'm like I, I missed cards, I missed playing with stuff, I missed interactions and talking about ones that may or may not have ever happened. That that kind of drove me to want to play with those cards. And then kind of an amalgamation of that was, well, let's put together something fun, cool, powerful, awesome, all at the same time that you can come back to all the time and play with. Like the replay value is like the highest possible. Um, and that's kind of where it started for me. And then kind of the the accounting side, the nitpick side, the kind of like the, the just the waxing and the polishing and the making it perfect in my own opinion kind of came secondary to that because to me like – it all started with the history of the game because it meant so much to me early in my life and I had, you know, come back to it and left it so many times that I knew that this one box of cards would always be something I could play with with people that I knew how to play. You knew how to play Magic or were my friends at any point in life down the road. So, like, so I didn't know for you, of, like, you know, I, how long ago you started playing Magic or um, it's, it's cool that you were, like, introduced to the game through this format. I think that's, that's amazing because that, uh, it seems like the, the kind of, the, the curve is so steep when you were to start at something that well, actually, includes everything.
2: It, people should start with more, but, you know, <laughs> you do what
1: you do. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's awesome. That was something I was, I was really looking for, like, in, a, in a, like, an article or a bio from you, because it was just kind of like I, I saw your content kind of spring out of nowhere in my eyes, and I was like, well, you know, how this person get so involved? Like, what is, what is really driving her?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I think partly, too, there's just a lot of opportunity to produce content if you want to, sure. um, which wasn't necessarily obvious to me when I started playing. And then, um, you know, Evan Irwin's Q-Drafting.com, you know, started taking submissions, and I was like, oh, wait, I could do this. You know, I, I like to say stuff, you know? So um, it's just kind of, I, mean, I feel you like room um, if you want to do it, put in the time.
0: Yeah, and I think that's 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 what it is too, and it kind of makes sense to me how you know I see where your questions are coming from, TSG, and it makes sense how Taya you could do all that because every like Greg says everyone does have an opinion for sure, for but sure. there's a difference between people who have an opinion and people who have the get up and go to make something happen about it, meaning people who are going to put. The time and effort into collecting that data and organizing it, writing code, and uh, putting it on your website. Uh, people who are going to, you know, put a podcast together and, and put that time and effort into it, and, and do everything else. And I think that's that's the difference. Is it's not just, you know, that it's it's everyone has an opinion, and some people have the get up and go and the motivation and the drive to to make it happen. And I think that's you probably fall under that category as well as, you know, I'd say. Uh, Greg and I and uh, TSG Max, not so sure about you But we've got to see some more articles coming your way But uh, um, I mean, if you want to read articles <laughs> On quantitative political science, you're free Yeah, but I'm not talking about when you were 13 I mean something current <laughs> Fair enough Yeah, Max is a super genius Who uh, was teaching me what gerrymandering was When he was 7 years old If only he could uh, use his powers for good Instead of evil Fair enough Anyway, okay, moving along well, uh is there anything else you want to go over with uh
1: cubing or should we should we move right on as I've said before, you could do a whole series on it there's even a podcast on it i mean to uh to give plugs away if we're going to do it. the third power um yes. you guys should definitely check that out if you're more interested in cubing. I listen oh, to those okay. guys those guys with, are great. Team like every week so, yeah they're, uh,
0: their color they had a color ana- anal- uh analysis that was just awesome, yeah, those guys are great.
2: And, and, um, this from The Third Power is going to be writing a few article for Star City, so I think that that oh, will be cool. soon.
1: Does that mean that your, uh, your foray into that is, is over, or are you just taking a break, or are you going to work more on your own site?
2: Um, I guess we'll see. I'm definitely planning to do stuff on my own site, um, and I may occasionally write stuff for Star City, um. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of undetermined. I'm in grad school right now, and I'm just kind of busy. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, all right, well, okay. (laughs) I guess real life gets in the way every once in a while. Not everyone does. does Sometimes
0: grad school. Where are your priorities? Talking about cube drafting, man.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You might start giving back excuses.
0: I think uh, I think is right. We could devote a whole, and we've we've already devoted a couple episodes to it. But I really enjoy it, so we might have to talk a little well, bit more later about well, that. But let's, well, what,
3: let's one talk. thing that one thing that I, I do want to touch on at some point is um, like, have you guys have you guys touched on uh, besieged cube editions? Have you have you have you considered those, or is it still too early? Do you like? Um, yeah, either of you guys can kind of take over on, on this. Is it?
1: Uh, I- I definitely like to try to be ahead of the curve. Um, So, like, what I set is released. I try to tell people, especially, like, the circle closest to me. there's There's a few people I know that copy my list, and I try to let them know what I want to make changes for and what cards I'm putting in for sure. Um, not 100% of those end up working out in the long term. Like, people like to like poke fun at me because I will put stuff into my box as soon as the set comes out and then as soon as the next set comes out those cards will come out and they're like, man, I spent 40 bucks on this foil to put in my box and you just like stripped it two months later. It was terrible. Don't want play group like this anyway. Um, so I, like, That's kind of the downside of that, but I like to be... Plus I like to play with the new stuff like anyone does, so... At the pre-release, once you get the full spoiler, I'm always like, "Yes, that card. Not that card. Let's put that card on the fence." and Really, kind of whittle it down um, until up till release day, and then kind of make a decision. And from there, like I, I've included pretty much every single besiege card that I'm going to include. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe someday down the line, Mortar Pod is going to be good enough to make it in. But like my my additions and subtractions, you can find on channelfireball.com. And, and like I said, I try to be right at the beginning of the set. Like I respect people that wait. I know that. Evan, for example, on his site, he is always, like, one set behind because he tests things thoroughly in his own opinion and kind of, like, waits to make an informed decision. And I don't have as much time when the set's up front, but I really like to, to get that information to people's hands because we all want to play with the new stuff. We always want to be like, you know, is Massacre Worm good enough? Well, let's try it out a little bit. Obviously, Sword of Feast and is good enough. Put it in there immediately. So that, that's, my, that's my thing. I'm always trying to be right up front.
2: I completely agree. I um I proxy cards and put them in as soon as they're spoiled. So that's awesome. um, I think I had a quarter Paladin in you know the night that it was spoiled because you know it's obviously going to be like a really fun cool card. Um, And then stuff will eventually you know go out or you know you'll realize something is better than you thought and put it in. For example. I didn't begin, I didn't include Bone Horde right off the bat, but other people said that, you know, i had done really well on their cubes, so I've, I've added it now. And then there's some stuff like Goblin War Driver from The Siege that I think it's in right now, but I'm not sure it's going to stay. So it's always, I mean, it's just a, like a constant iterative process, you know, if like your cube is never really done, you always.
1: Yeah, that, that's one of the most fun parts about it is that I mean you can you can kind of make that mistake if it is or isn't a mistake and you can play with it and the best part of cube is it's not stagnant it's not like a one time release of something it's ever changing um you know in my updates like my besiege update was actually a pretty big update not only did besiege cards go back in but old stuff came out old stuff that had been there for a long time came out other stuff that was very old went back in um that's part of a lot of the fun for it for me and uh, I mean, like I have no problem admitting a mistake. Like so many people was like, I, it seems like all I have are critics, uh, and they're just like, "Oh, these cards are terrible." Like, why would you ever play Vampire so I'm like, well, you no. Know, like, vampires is a strong theme. I try it out. Like at this point, it's still technically on my list, but I don't need to pull it. Uh, Cyclops Gladiator was another spectacular one. Like people okay, that yeah. I played <laughs> with close to me thought so that guy a, that's be. A so a
0: TSG robot. We're, we're getting so
1: introduced we're, to him. Oh, <laughs> um, am I am I flickering? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That's I, I cool. can't really do anything. That's so, kind of amusing, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I'm gonna finish this story because it's it's too funny. Um, I put in Cyclops Glider when M11 came out. I it was it was met with a lot of criticism. We played with it a little bit. I I think I like smashed with it one game in the seemingly countless games I ever played with it. Uh, a guy came up to me in Nashville with a copy of it. He wanted me to sign it and draw on it because he was like, you know, everyone hates this card. No one in my play group likes it. I kicked the crap out of them with it. It's all because you put it on your list. I was like, oh, that's that's awesome, you know. Like drew a little baseball bat on the guy, like beating people down. <laughs> and then two weeks later, I cut it out of my list and I, I wrote about how it wasn't good. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's I mean, awesome. rocked out of one wall of omens, and I won a game on the back of my opponent not being able to do much, and I had a 4-4 on turn three or something. But other than that, he never did anything. But but again, like having the experience playing with the cards, it was a lot of fun, and, and that's always my kind of view, and it's the way I would do things. Is as soon as a a set is announced or... There's a, a spoiler run with it.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's move along. Um, we've talked about Cube, and we're going to talk about the current format a little bit and some standard stuff going on. Uh, there's a lot of cool things happening now, thanks to uh, all the GPs, which which we're used to, but also all the, you know, the Opens and the 5Ks and the 10Ks and all this other stuff that's, that's going on, all these other great tournaments. We can really uh, have a great standard format, even if it's... Uh, even if in other worlds, you know, in other times, the Magic History Standard would not be uh, happening right now. So let's get right into it. We have GP Barcelona happening now. This is awesome. Right now, I don't think we have the results up yet, right? We're still waiting on the finals and refreshes. Yeah, as, 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 of, as, of,
3: as of now, nope, from we the, when we started the, the show, we were in the semifinals. We now have the finals determined, but not a champion yet.
0: Yeah, so we have... Uh, Tony Rames Pascal going against Martin Shinen as we're doing this, and hopefully editing won't take too long, and we can get this show up, and it'll be fairly current. Um, but uh, let's take a look at the top eight decks. There's some really interesting choices here. We have, uh, well, actually, Max, do you have do you have this uh, up? Yeah, I've got this. Okay, why don't you uh, go over the the decks that we have, right quick?
4: Okay, so in the finals right now is. Uh, Tony Ramus is playing Valakut, and the other person whose name I now need to remember, uh, Martin Shinen, is playing Blue Black, so apparently we've traveled back in time a few months. Um, <laughs> also in the top eight, there's a cargo deck that's got main deck Mortipod and main deck Hero of Bladehold. A blue, a rug deck that's playing Thrun in the main deck and no, and no uh, None of the golem, the five mana for three three threes. We've got a, another another rug deck that appears to that has said precursor golem, whose name I just remembered. Another valakut deck. Uh, Wafo tapa also playing blue black, um, and another cargo deck. So that's two blue black decks, two cargo, two rug of valakut. And two Valakut,
0: my bad. Of those, we have the, um, we talked about last time, but the Dark Hawk, or Darkwing Duck, or whatever one, with, uh... Goat, yeah. Is, which is pretty interesting, and I really like the... What, what do you guys think about the Elspeth in there, the Elspeth main? We'll quickly go over this. It's a 61-card list. It's got, uh, your normal mix of lands, including four tectonic edges, which is interesting. It's so we blue-black deck now, Correct. Yeah, but it's also got, um, oh, I'm sorry, you're right, I was I was on the wrong list. Yeah, the blue-black deck. It's got uh, three Grave Titans, a Worm Coil Engine, two Black Sun Zenith, two Duresses, three Go for the Throats, three Inquisitions, uh, two Into the Royal, which is awesome, uh, Jace, Bellerin, and four uh, Mind Sculptors, one Liliana Vess.
3: Pretty which I think is really interesting, because also the other blue-black list, Guillaume's, has actually two Liliana Vesses. Hmm. That's kinda
0: of awesome. Yeah. Hey, what do you what do you guys think about that? Uh Taya, have you ever gotten a chance to play uh have you ever played Liliana in the type two deck?
2: No, I haven't.
0: Um, okay. I think that <laughs> makes you um, normal then. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, were you asking about the Elspeth too?
0: Yeah, I although I got the two decks confused oh, there was that's... the there was the yeah, Nexus I... down with the Elspeth.
2: I mean, the Elspeth is maybe kind of cute with the extra token makers, too. That oh. list has hero playful. I don't know. It's so hard to say no to Gideon, I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's true. Yeah, Gideon seems like he's got a lot up on the Elspeth. Although, I guess there's some synergy. I guess, like, Mortipod, that's kind of cool. Um, I don't know. They can hold swords a lot, even after tides. I don't know. What do you guys? What, what do you think TSG about the the uh, the Elspeth and that in uh, Nasovitz's deck?
1: Uh, sorry, i was still back on the blue blacklist. Let me pull back down to the another new one we're talking about. Yeah, it's right. floor. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Uh, that sounded okay. like we'll a kid I think getting.
0: Just... <laughs> it sounded Please. like a like a kid in getting hit by a kid getting hit by a tennis racket or something.
1: <laughs> That's weird. No, that was that was me coughing away from my computer. Okay. <laughs> uh, damn it I was all geared up to talk about this sixty one card blue black but uh, okay let's month. let's Trust go me. let's
0: go to the sixty one card blue black then what what do you got to say about that one
1: uh you know r- realistically here i I think that um the blue black was just kind of got overshadowed by the 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 card draw card advantage that came out of the Cobb. You know, the Coggo Go, into cog Blade decks that we saw pre- and post besieged. I think Blue Black really took a backseat, not only in people's minds, but in people's thoughts of being competitive when it was like, well, you know, the Blue White deck can play kind of mid-range. It could play a lot like a Fish deck from old-school Vintage or Legacy, where you could play these early two-drops that seem innocuous, but then kind of get you. And the deck really went off the radar, when it still has access to so many really powerful tools. And obviously, it really just had to adapt. It didn't feel like too many people were paying um, enough attention to it, or giving it the time of day enough to really try to make it adapt to the stupid sort of feast and famine, and all these these pecking birds coming at you. And um, I think a list like this, you're really kind of seeing that blue black is, is it's it still should be a good deck. There are the tools there. I mean, between tumble magnet, into the royal black sun zenith, you have a lot of ways to kind of to deal with the Ka Cob Blade threats. And then you have the big over the top uh finishers in in the form of Grave Titan wormcoil Engine, two creatures that I, I'm I've always been a huge fan of and really enjoyed them being uh, prevalent in the previous season. And obviously you get to play what seems like one of the best cards in standard right now being Inquisition of Kozalek. And right. apparently this this list is good enough you don't even need to run, need to run four, which seems so obvious. So oh. I think that um Going into Dallas, I'd like to see more blue black control lists I think that it's a deck and it just it just needed to be tuned. It just needed to be have somebody worked on it to make it competitive again.
4: Well, one thing about the not playing the full playset of Inquisition is that he's playing also playing two duresses, so in effect you have five ways to rip out the sword when they stoneforge for it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Inquisition gets all that though. It gets the it gets the the lone squadron hawk that you're going to turn into to three extra ones. It also gets the Stoneforge mystic. It's a preemptive strike, but it also gets the sword after they go and get it. Right, it's kind but, of a catch all.
4: Well, except for Jason, Jace.
1: True, true. I mean, I, I guess you know, for Jace, you have uh, what is it here? You know, yes, into the Royals, mana leaks, your own Jaces, even a Jace Bellerin, stoic rebuttal. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I, my my own personal view is like. The reason I want to play Swamp in Standard right now is because I get to play 4 Inquisition of Kozilek, uh, and everything surrounding it is just all kind of gravy. But um, again, yeah. if you can make it work without needing 4 of it, then more power to you.
0: Well, what do you guys think about that? The the of the Royals, and also the fact that we got the 4 Tectonic Edges and this 2 Spreading Seas.
1: That's one more Valakut, you're not going to win a tournament type situation. I, I think that's the... Uh, <laughs> Like, everyone kind of slacking off a little bit. Like, in the blue-white list I'm playing online, it's like, I've got four Flash Freeze and two Tectonic Edge in my sideboard. That's all I really need. I don't need to worry about Valakru too much. And then, you know, playing online, you're playing against it every, like, third match still anyway. it's still a big deal. So I, it's nice to see, like, some of these lists still keeping that deck in check. Where it's like, hey, hey, you remember, like, three or four months ago when you just couldn't win a match at all because I was playing four Tectonic Edge, four Spreading Seas, and maybe four Flash Freeze out of the sideboard? Yeah, good luck with that, buddy. Uh <laughs> I, I have no problem watching Valakut decks lose, so I'm, I'm glad to see those cards are still back to make sure it, it stays in check. Except it's in
4: the finals in this tournament. <laughs> that's, Besides that's that, Max.
1: That's, that's the reality of the situation, is well, you can play all these cards, and they're still going to be like, okay, explore, well, the, and, cultivate. Well, but the fact is, and, is that
0: he it's, it's in the finals playing against this deck, meaning they didn't play each other beforehand. True. So. <laughs> Yeah, we we'll,
1: Obviously, we'll my money is on black as usual, but we'll see what happens.
3: I think a lot of hate oh, shit, for Velocut has actually been been phased out because of lack of uh, strong finishes over the course of the last uh, three or four Star City Opens. Um, I think less people are cut, are playing Tectonic Edge. Tectonic Edge was actually um, cut from Blade, Um when they um, when they like especially the the. Darkwing Duck version, the the adding black, the adding of Creeping Tar Pit, um, and the Drowned Catacombs actually cut Tectonic Edge from most of these lists. And Spreading Seas hasn't been, you haven't seen Spreading Seas in, in, in a blue list um, in actually quite a while. So I actually think that, that Valkyrie has kind of been poised to make a big resurgence because a lot of the main deck hate for that deck has actually just been slowly phased out as cobblade has taken over the majority of the met- metagame. So now that we're seeing um the first true huge event. I mean these Star city opens are definitely big, but they're but the, this is the kind of the first the first swing at at the actual standard season. Um you see um, a handful of different iterations that are taking different metagame calls against the Callblade decks and Valakut actually doing kind of well because of the lack of hate for it. Um, that's why I think that, that Blue-Black is actually really poised here because you've you've got answers for both of those decks.
1: Well, I think that um, one important thing not to gloss over is the Sword of Feast and Famine it is in many ways a hate card towards Valakut. And in many ways, that was originally how it was... Um, developed in part of Team Fireball's testing, uh, Luis went over extensively how sort of feast and famine, in conjunction with Stoneforge Mystic and the the small threats in the blue white deck, went a long way to off kind of putting the Valkyrie player off kilter or, or just kind of making their plan something they couldn't really put together consistently. So, a lot of players in the last few months have been slowly phasing out the other cards around. Um, you know, or actually other cards you would include in the deck to also combat it and relied more on the kind of sword, stone, forge, maybe some flash freezes in the sideboards kind of combination. And I really thought with Besiege hitting online that the the MTGO grinders, which in many ways um, affect the greater metagame more than a lot of people realize, are so set in stone on what deck they're playing because all they're trying to do is grind out a small percentage. The Valkyrie was really going to make a comeback in that arena, um, and I, I think you have seen things really kind of balance themselves. And at this point you really need to kind of find a, um, a good balance. Like, like I said, like I've got two tectonic edges in the sideboard of the deck I'm playing and I don't, I don't think it's just the, you know, blue, white, splashing black or the blue, white, splashing red decks that are phasing out the tectonic edges. I mean, the deck that I was playing up until recently was blue, white, cobblade by itself, but it was running four ink moth nexuses in lieu of cards like tectonic edge because I wanted more ways to get my sword active early. Um, And you know, again, if you see a Valakut finish, you know it's already we're already going to see a finals finish. If we see it win this Grand Prix, um, you know who knows? Maybe people are going to want to change things up a little bit more heading into Dallas, thinking they're going to be playing more against those decks. But again, I think you can count you can count Sword as one of the main deck kind of answers to uh, to Valakut, and that's one of the reasons you're not seeing Tectonic Edges, Spreading Seas, um, more cards like that played main deck by the blue players.
4: I think one one good example is the. The blue, white, black deck that that Tristan wanted to talk about before we shut him down, which is I'm looking at now, only playing two main deck counterspells, and they're both spell Pierce.
3: Oh, right, yeah, that, that, the one that um, with with Alspeth that, that Jonathan wanted to, to talk about. Right, that's an interesting. That's actually an interesting deck because um, the three heroes. I think that that deck is actually kind of deceptive. Um, cutting down to, to one Gideon Jura. Actually, l- l- let me run through this list r- real quick. Um, just so there's context, um, four, um, blue, black, white, the ov- kind of obvious lands, but one, one tech edge, um, three hero, uh, four squadron hawk, four stone forge, one duress, one Elspeth, one Gideon, three go for the throat, four inquisition, uh, four big Jace, one mortipod. four preordained, two spell pierce and one feast of famine. Um, Max makes an excellent point that, that there's only... Two main deck spell Pierce. This this deck is very clearly an aggro, uh, um, a more aggro version of the um, Black cobblade deck. That's and and the, and the Elspeth is trying well, to take advantage of that. Yeah, but still, it's only of, one Gideon. The,
0: yeah, and instead of running the counter spells, it's you know you you have the same disruption with your four Inquisitions and your Duress, um, which. You know is is interesting and, and the spell Pierce I think are a great call because when you 're putting that much pressure on, especially with like a hero of blade hold um, it 's a much more proactive version where the discard um, and maybe one or two counter spells is is so much more relevant than a deck that 's going to sit back and be more reactive. Um, but yeah, this deck looks really interesting. I think uh, I think that your assessment is is absolutely correct, Greg. And I really like the Mortipod in here too because it's also very deceptive. It can do a lot of damage, even though you're not. You know, it seems so unassuming. It can really get in there with, you know, just sitting on the board, uh, sacking a couple squadron Hawks here or there, a couple. Uh, hero blade hold soldiers a couple um stoneforge mystics you know everything gets into it and you even you know they're at those last few critical points of life and you activate your man land sack them and and finish them off or something um so I, yeah i think i think this is a really interesting build um and also like the uh yeah i really like the the mortar pot in there um and I know that uh, earlier TSG, you were saying I don't know if makes into a cube, but what do you think about its use in standard right now?
1: Uh, it's a huge deal, especially for the straight blue-white cob um, blade decks. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's, it's, I'm not going to say key to have, but it gives you a lot of reach you wouldn't other- otherwise have. I was actually just recently joking, you know, if you have a... Th- you know, I mean, how many spots do you really leave for the equipment package with your Stoneforge Mystic? Is it just one to make sure you get sword? Is it two to have access to both swords? Is it three to have access to two swords and a card like Sylvak Lifestaff or, or, or Mortarpod? Um, and, you know, in that conversation, it was like, you know, why would you ever play Sylvak Lifestaff? That card's so terrible. It was like, well, you know, it's really great against the red matchups and the vampires matchups. You're going to trade with their guys and you're going to gain life. It's like, Mortarpod's better, like, every time. I was like, well, really? Like, why? You know, you're not gaining life. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. You could kill pretty much... Almost any threat in either of those decks, you know, sends like a Goblin War Driver, or a Goblin Chieftain, or a, a Goblin Guide, but you're going to knock off one of those threats and then every creature you put on subsequently is going to have an additional toughness, which means it might live through combat with one of those other cards in question and then at the same time be able to sacrifice to deal damage to things. And at, the end of the, and at the end of the conversation, pretty much any deck that's a devoted blue-white cobblet deck seems like they should be running this card at this point. And obviously if you're not playing a third color... You're doing it for the consistency in your in more spots for counter magic consistency in your mana base, and you're probably going to want the versatility of a card like Mortarpod. I'm not I'm not advocating you put it into a, a version that also uh, like a blue white black or a blue white red version or a blue white green version. Although I, uh, I know Matt Nass over at ChannelFireball.com has written a couple articles about a uh, Cobblade with green and fauna Shaman and crazy elf crap like that, like he always does. Uh, but uh, he he needed the reach and removal too, like Mortarpod, that you don't get from black or red. So I think that. At this point, it, it seems like it, it's an auto-include one-of for those lists.
4: Yeah, I mean, one other thing it can do, is, which I think is pretty important for this deck, is it's another way to get Lotus Cobra, because this deck seems like it's got some issues if your opponent just goes over the top, which the Rug decks can potentially do. And it's just got an additional disruption in the early game that doesn't hurt your aggro matchups.
1: Yeah, that's just the thing about no. the Rug deck. Like, like, I'm not, I'm not sold that Rug is... I'm not gonna say the best deck in standard. I mean, I, I definitely know people that think that it's the deck to play. I think it's so draw dependent, and when you get turn two Lotus Cobra, you know unmolested, you could do crazy things, and you can go turn four Inferno turn Titan, turn five Inferno Titan, and you know m- minus a uh, a Day of Judgment, the game is just over against anybody. Uh, so, if you if you know the the adverse of that is if you disrupt those cobra draws, or if you just you know draw seven mana sources or a bunch of jaces and no business, then uh, your deck doesn't do anything. So, in order to keep rug uh, kind of honest and to keep all your other matches even, I think a card like Mortarpod is obviously very key there.
0: Yeah, and looking looking into the one of the rug decks here, Costler's, um, which is the one with. Uh, just quickly. It's got three Frost Titans, three Inferno Titans. Um, it's also running Oracle of at one of, and one of Thrun. Um, and then pretty much the regular package, although it's also got one Garrick. An interesting thing about that deck is that even without the Lotus Cobras, I mean, obviously the Lotus Corpus will give you those explosive starts that are very hard to deal with. But even without that, it seems there's a level of inevitability to these decks where they'll use the Explorers, they'll get up on mana a little early, they use the Preordains to hit their mana drops every turn, and then it's just like, you know, Frost Titan after Inferno Titan, you know, after Thron. And there's just so many. The threat density seems very high, and it seems like there's just a level of inevitability to a lot of the a lot of these. Uh, decks, especially the ones that are running six titans in them.
4: I actually really don't like playing Frost Titan over Precursor Golem in that deck. I mean, I think Precursor Golem is just insane right now, because it's cheaper than the titans, it gives you almost a Grave Titan's worth of power, and most of the removal people are playing right now is either go for the throat or not or not removal, and so I'm just surprised that they didn't choose that one, because thats I think, led to a lot of the resurgence of Rug right now.
0: The, the Precursor Golem does seem like an awesome... It's, it's kind of like, why weren't they playing this all along? But it seems like a great addition. There's this other deck, which is the, uh, Richard Bland's, which has the three Precursors, also the one of Oracle, and four Inferno Titans, as well as an Avenger of Zendikar. So even higher level of threat density in this one.
4: Yeah, I like, that. I like that list a little bit better. Though he's not playing Garruk is one other thing to note.
3: I'm actually. Uh, you, you, Max, you made a comment about go for the throat, um, and and in favor, particularly for um, the precursor growth because of the predominance of go for the throat. I actually think that from a metagame standpoint, um, that's that's not really um, accurate currently. Uh, I think that a lot of people have actually cut go for the throat in favor of Doomblade because of the resurgence of. Um, because well, actually, because uh, vampires is not not really tier one anymore. You don't really see it putting up any results at it's, it's SCG opens, and you you see cards like precursor golems that were reaction to the the existence of go for the throat. So as a result, lots of people have been cutting go for the throat and been been playing Doomblade, which is also I think why um, Oh, blue black does better. Blue black deck did so well, or ha- has done so well in both of these tournaments. There's also, uh, we haven't, we've, we've been talking pretty much exclusively about Barcelona, but there's also um, uh, SCG LA, where a handful um, um, of pros that typically don't go to SCG Opens, um, flew into LA to, um, to to play at that event. And a lot of them um, um, uh, there was a handful of different decks uh, cheap chi- in top 16 with a um, I believe a, a, a blue-black build. Um, uh, um, Kibler actually just took third with um, a blue-black infect deck. Um, I think that I think that go for the throat is, is it's definitely a tough call between go for the throat doomblade, but I think the um, inevitably it's probably going to be somewhere in between. And I, and I don't think persecutor golem is is as poised as, as maybe you you think um, to to be real successful right now.
4: Oh. Fair enough. I think it's it's one of those really weird kind of rock paper scissors. Yeah, types. exactly.
0: So, I think it's I think that's the way to say it. And in especially being able to come out early, just that nine nine points on the board is is very five, hard. And also five is obviously very different than six. Well, um, also I just frost titans just in in the current metagame just seems kind of
4: kind of loose because there are just so many decks where like what are you going to do if you frost, frost titan one of their squadron hawks. Or well, it depends what?
0: if that Squadron Hawk is their only creature, and if it's holding the sword, that can be relevant. If it's not the blue green sword, that can still be relevant.
4: True, but right. I just think that right now, it's just much less kind of centered around giant titans fighting than it was yeah, however r- many months ago when yeah, tra- Absolutely. Which,
3: is, which yeah. is exactly why I think Inferno Titan is, is the best titan right now. I think Inferno, yeah. Inferno Titan is just insane. And that, I think that these the rug lists would have done. Um, better. I mean, there, there were there were three in the top sixteen for um, um, LA, and and one in the top eight for Barcelona. I think that that's that was actually that's actually very surprising that they didn't do better this weekend. I think that cards like Mortipod that specifically attack um, the Lotus Cobra is is actually a really good insight as to why um, these these decks didn't do a lot better because Inferno Titan is 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 really really strong right now.
0: Mm-hmm. On well, speaking of Inferno Titans and Frost Titans, and that deck, Taya uh, linked an interesting link to the recent uh, Star City Games LA tournament, which we can touch on too. And in that one, the rug version is running two Worm Coil Engines, two Frost Titans, four Inferno Titans, uh, as well as four Lotus Cobras, four Mana Leaks, four Bolts, two Garricks. Uh, four jaces, four explorers, and four preordains, and that's the one by um, Tolga Insei. It's in our show notes if, or that chat if you guys want to check that one out. But that's really interesting. I really like. I that's my favorite Titan actually right now that hasn't we haven't talked about that much, um, which is Worm Coil Engine. I think that's. Definitely, definitely my top titan. Um, I really like the life gain, and I like the ability to... I, I like the versatility after a, a Day of Judgment. So, anyway, I'm glad that it's playing that, and that's getting some love. Although, that deck has no precursor golems. Do we want to go over a couple of the other lists from this?
3: Actually, one clarification. So, I'm, I'm about to tweet Star City Games right now to, to update them. But uh, one of the three Rogue lists is actually a Valakut list, the 12th placed one. Is actually uh, it's labeled as rug, but if you look at the list, it's actually very clearly uh, Valket. Can, um, can you send the link for that one? Yeah, okay. that's that's just for the one that has uh, an issue, and that's for all of the top 16 for um, that tournament for LA. Okay, well I'm gonna. I'm gonna looks, do, like, uh, looks like looks uh, like at the beginning of the, the the cast, it was just down to top two, it was down to Jerry. Uh-huh. Jerry T and, and Rick Zhu and it looks like Rick beat Jerry. Um, Rick was playing a, a, a more standard Callblade list, and Jerry was playing a um, um, the the black splat, splash for black Callblade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he actually went with uh, two sort of feasts and famines as opposed to um, some other some other mixture of of one feast and famine and and Mortipod or. Um, Mm-hmm. The other, the other sword. So that's interesting. But again, look—he's actually got um, one go for the throat, um, one condemn, and one doom blade um, as his instant removal package. Mm-hmm. Um 3 in yeah. 3 Gideon which I think is is completely correct. That 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 list from Barcelona that had um Alspeth and o- one Elspeth and, and and only one Gideon I think that, that that's m- because their game plan is very different with the with the heroes and with the Mortipod. It's it's, it's it's a it's a much more um aggroing list aggro list whereas Gideon is is a is a a, a nice control card that uh Mm-hmm. Basically, gain thoughts of life. <laughs> well,
0: and here's another interesting list, that the one that got eighth place by Edwin Garcia, which is a, it's the Tesseret Forge Master list, um, with four chalices, four Sphere of the Suns, three Tumble Magnets, and then classes uh four Forge Masters. Wow, four Forge Masters.
3: Yeah, it's, it's a, that's that's a Forge the, Master list. It's actually yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's a Tesseret.
0: Mere Battlesphere Worm Coral Engine. It's got one Blue Sun Zenith and three Mana Leaks. For the instance, that's interesting. Haven't seen a lot of Blue Sun Zenith running around. A Mind Slaver, four Tesserets, and four Jace the Mind Sculptors. And TSG, check this out. You got one Duress and four Inquisitions.
1: That's my style. I can't remember what Japanese writer, and I feel bad because it was on our website. Yeah, you,
0: no, it, was, it wasn't only on your website, it was on your
1: podcast,
0: and you spent about like 10 minutes going into how awesome it is and how everyone needs to read the final analysis to see what he decides.
1: But, oh, then yeah, the but then don't English give it away at the, the end. Yeah.
0: And then and then made me go read it afterwards. But yeah.
1: See, there we go. Right. I it's so nice to have a hardcast historian <laughs> on a show that I like already, uh, here I am like two months into this thing and already you're like, "Oh yeah, like 5 weeks ago, you went you rambled on for like 5 minutes about how many copies to run." Um, yeah, I think it I think it's great. I Again, Black has access to so much sweet selective hand hand disruption right now, and you know, sure, obviously on turn ten, ripping duress off the top of your library is pretty miserable, or it can be. It's not always, but uh, yeah, it seems like Swamps shouldn't be making a comeback since you have since you have these tools to kind of kind of take apart these very linear strategies that are are, are developed early, much like Lotus Cobras. So uh, yeah, I'm glad to see. Even the four one, like I get behind that. Like I, I understand it's like fifth copy of Inquisition is running one to rest
0: You're willing to make that sacrifice?
1: It's not a sacrifice. It's all in the up and up. Again, it's the fifth <laughs> copy. It's like if I can't if I can't have more, I'll have something close. Okay,
0: gotcha. I just yeah, I love a deck with four Tzeentch and four Jace the Mind Sculptors. That's just awesome. Especially with uh, the Everflowing Chalices and the Spheres to be able to turn
1: three of those guys. As long as your deck does something afterwards. I mean, like, I, I played Martin uses uh, Tezzeret list for a couple of weeks, and the games I would lose, I would just draw mana sources forever. Mm-hmm. Like, if my opponent spell pierces my turn three Jace, and even if I, like, resolve a Tezzeret after the fact, it's like, I look at the top five cards of my library. All right, sweet, I got a sphere. All right, next turn, draw, land. All right, it's okay, I'm going to go deeper into the tank. Oh, sweet, there's an ever chalice. Or, or a Ratchet Bomb that maybe wouldn't do anything. All right, sweet, I can get one of those. Go. All uh, right, sweet, I drew a Sphere of the Suns. Damn it. You know. That
3: was my problem with, with Patrick uh, Chapin and Guillaume Matignon's deck from um, from Paris, was that it's a bunch of mana sources and then a, a handful of reactive cards like Pyrocosm and um, uh, Stag... Storm? Slagstorm? Storm. Um... So uh, it's a- this is actually all—all all this. Stag storm would be awesome though.
0: They should make that a <laughs> um, bunch of those stags coming in.
1: Sounds kind of like a gay porno title actually, but all right, whatever.
0: Not a genre I'm—I'm I'm not familiar with, but. Uh...
1: That's how you kind of walked backwards to that one. I understand. All right, all right I'll let that. <laughs> <be>. <laughs> okay. So I don't think the word stagstorm would mean anything other than a whole bunch of uh, elk coming out of the forest,
0: yeah, a bunch of three 3s pro black pro uh blue you know moving along
3: on 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 a related note to the previous conversation where we we're talking about blue black um and, and Tezzeret, I actually have um, a little rogue deck that i've that I've put together that I've been working on um in some, like, early preparation for Dallas, um, I thought that there was an, an archetype that was not being um, utilized to its fullest, being the, the tesseract builds. Um, so I actually I actually have a list that um, we can link to in the show notes. I don't know if you guys have any interest. Well, do you have any interest in, in kind of going through this deck? Yeah, go for it. Sure. Um, okay, so I, I, I hope that the listener base of, of our show isn't so dramatic that half a million people play it at, at Dallas, but if they did, that'd be awesome, that means that it's actually a hit, um, I don't think that it's that amazing right now, but anyway, so let's go through it, uh, four ever-flowing chalice, two contagion clasp, four tumble magnet, one contagion engine, four throne of geth, two sphere of the suns, three ichor wellspring, two jace, uh, big jace, four tazeret, two black sun zenith, um, Four islands, five swamps, three drawn catacombs, uh, four creeping tarpit, four dark slick shores, four Inkmoth Nexus, uh, two Scytherics, two Necropede, and four Plaguemir. Um, so the the deck actually um, it's fundamentally works off of Throne of Geth and um, and Tezzeret, but what what you basically have is you've got a Tezzeret deck that that tries to infect the the opponent, um, but if you don't get Tezzeret, you're not dead. So if you get one early infect with e- with an ink like a turn two Inkmoth Nexus attack or a turn three Necroped or Plaguemire attack, you've got lots and lots and lots of reach, which I thought was a fundamental. So Damn. so it's interesting to see a deck like um, um, kibblers who one second, um, if I can get a hold of that list, um, so he put, he put out a, an article, um, a couple days ago on Star City, um, Star City games, and then he ran a, a a little bit of a different list for, um, SEG Los Angeles, um, and it's basically, um, his his list initially was was similar to mine, which is actually why um, the eleventh place blue black infect deck is actually um, somewhat similar to mine. But um, it takes it takes the skitherix and um, inkmoth neces nexus package along with tunneling clasp and Necropede. And for his his list, he actually just kind of cuts some of the more controlling pieces in the the, um, the Throne of Geth and replaces it with a couple more Necropedes and Frexing Crusaders and tries to get a little bit faster, a little more of an aggro deck, whereas mine has a, is a little more con- controlling. Um, it, it, it seems kind of janky playing a card like Throne of Geth, but being able to ultimate at the turn that you play it to gain a bunch of life um, and then win off of Creeping Tar Pit, very subtly and out of nowhere, um, or to be able to um, get an early um, poison counter and then uh, proliferate and, and win through Skithrix or or just through proliferating, um, is actually, um, fairly, fairly easy, it's a, it's, it's a turn five or six kill fairly consistently without disruption, and, um, handles disruption pretty well, because the, 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 the card you need to deal with is actually Throne of Gath, as opposed, which is much more innocuous than, um, some of these other seemingly more powerful cards, so, that's my, my little spiel, does anybody have any, any, uh, uh I guess input or thoughts.
4: I mean, having not played the deck, my big concern would just be the number of kind of blank, ha- blank opening hands you could draw. Like if you draw too many chalice and tumble magnet or whatever.
3: Um, I mean, if you if if, if like, like hypothetically, you're saying like three chalice and three <laughs> tumble magnet. that's that's that statistically is 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 quite crazy. The, um,
4: well, obviously, but I mean, I'm just there's a lot of cards where they're awesome if you have certain other cards in your opening hand, but there's just going to be a number of kind of awkward openers you can rip with this deck and just either have to mulligan or just sit around doing nothing.
3: Um, so so through, through testing thus far, um, there's, it doesn't actually take much. If you've got, if you've got um, a Plague um a Necropede, or an Ink Nexus, so we're talking about one of um, ten cards, if you've got one of those cards um it it doesn't really take much of 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 um a set of other six cards provided that you have some some uh, like one more land or or two or two more land the other cards don't really matter it's 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 probably keepable um and if you don't have one of those cards it's it's a little more awkward because you you really need to see uh, like a black sun zenith something to to kind of to hold the game in check a little bit um, whether it be tumble magnet black sun zenith or um, I mean you can't really count on contagion engine but you definitely would need in in that case some kind of ramp so t- to that um, to a degree that 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 is that is true but um, a lot of your cards are really um, ramp into each other. So on 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 turn three, you can chalice into another chalice and, and be able to contagion engine on turn four. Um, you can you, there's 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 a, there's a lot of actually ex- um, it's it's very explosive, especially skitherix, um, which you always play for, for six. It comes in tapped and attacking. Uh, yeah, it's just it's not something that that people typically w- will see coming um, with all the artifacts and and, and the tetzeret.
0: I really yep. like the I like the Friction Crusader quite a bit. Obviously, that guy is insane, of course, but still, I think that that's that's worth mentioning. And Taya put up the the comparison list for us. If, if you guys want to take a look at that, and we'll have that in our show notes too. But uh, yeah, that just seems awesome. I think I think the deck has a lot of legs, and I think it's going to obviously have some more tools in the next set coming out. Um, and you know, when Wizards wants to put a. Uh, dynamic into the game, and they want to keep pushing it, obviously, you know, there's just a critical mass of, of playability you're going to get there.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think also just proliferate plus chalice is, is so much ability to gain value.
0: Yeah, or, yeah. Or even, and even, and you got the Jaces in there, you have some other yeah. things. Right,
4: it's just, but like, especially, like, cl- you can get a bunch of mana going, and also if you have just like a tumble magnet, a chalice, and a contagion clasp, and really hold down the game until you can just either... Out, you know, race their mana leaks or whatever you want to do.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, i. Contagion engine wasn't really a part of the like initial um, idea for the deck, but it's so it, it's actually a really fast clock, and you can you can create so much mana to be able to um, like if you if you actually get a hand that has like um, like three chalices. um... It doesn't really matter what else you have, I have to do. Crazy things like to be able to play a contagion engine and then proliferate on the turn that you play it, which is something that that I happen to have done a couple of times. And it's not it's not the basis for the deck. It's actually contagion engine is on, only it's only a one of it's not it's not fundamentally it's not the deck. But if if that happens instead of your ideal draws, you 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 can do some some pretty nutty things, provided that you can find some way of getting one initial. Um, Infect early in the game, and that's that's just um, kind of playing the deck and and trying to, to do that. You've got you've got a bunch of things. You've got like Icar Wellspring that it seems like a, a do nothing, but the fact that it that it draws a card, and the fact that with Throne of Death, um, even if you don't have an Infect on your your opponent, if you're looking for for one of those cards, you can Throne of Death your Icar Wellspring to to pump up your your Tumble Magnets or um, or in and, and Chalice. Um, sphere and and maybe a planeswalker to dig deeper while simultaneously ramping, getting getting value. Um, and and the tumble magnets do a, a tremendous job of of you know procrastinating the game in a way where you're gaining more value from a, and more of a board position than than they are. So
4: um what about Ratchet Bomb? Or I see you have some on the sideboard, but Instead of maybe the Zeniths, or is zenith just too necessary?
3: Zenith, zenith okay. Zenith does lots of things. First of all, it's—I mean, you, 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 you get rid of all the one drops for for three mana, two drops for for, um, and and even if you, even if not, what you can do, putting one counter is is really um, is really nice because of all the proliferate. You can you can get rid of things. Um, like, if you've got, if you've got, for some reason, um, a, a creature in play, it's, it doesn't really hurt you as much, but your guys, your guys don't, um, don't really die to removal because, like, Ink Moth Nexus isn't going to be hit because it's not going to be alive, Creeping Tarpet's not going to get hit because it's not going to be a um, it's not going to be animated, um, but, so, Black Sun does a lot from, from a, from a removal standpoint and from keeping you alive, but it's also a shuffle effect. You can pay two black and shuffle your deck for, for, for Jace, um, and in in its replayability, the fact that there's only two in the deck, I mean is is really like you have three in the deck because of its um, its Zenith Shuffle ability. Um, instant speed removal is something that, that can come out of the board if if you're if you're up against a really really fast deck, but otherwise you've got the two conca- contagion Clasp and the four tumble magnet as a as a primary way of um, of staving off some some early aggro plans. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the deck probably should find a way of of including Inquisition into the main that that would be the one one observation just because of the strength of that card um, but but typically it hasn't it, it hasn't it, it comes in against control but yeah
0: yeah i 'm working on a uh, deck right now with uh gage who's one of the listeners he sent me an interesting list um, but i 'm trying to get speaking of proliferate my uh, my Koth's up and running. I have now decided I want to have four Koth's in whatever next deck I play, and I'm working on a mono-red version and a red-green version with Koth's and also with uh, with Garrix, but the mono-red version that Gage sent has um, a couple uh, interesting concepts like uh, Throne of Geth to uh, basically ultimate the Koth very early. I, I really like Koth, and I'm still surprised it doesn't see more play. Yeah, TSG. Any thoughts? I know that I think you were a cough advocate early, right?
1: Um, it, it you know, I, I've always liked the card. I felt, I guess, I felt bad for it at times because it wasn't seeing any action. Um, and, it, and right now, it seems like that that right under the surface guy that could break out and do stuff. Uh, obviously, in the in the past few months, you've seen it in. <laughs> Valakut sideboards Valakut main decks Boros main decks Boros sideboards uh, kind of more adventurous mono-red lists I, I think it's it's still a force to be reckoned with and I think that uh, as the uh, the door closes on the current standard environment before the next set comes out we have a pro-red sword it'd be a Sooner, more than, than later, that you should try to make Koth work in standard.
3: Fair enough. Although, in fa- in 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 fair, are the are the lands actually? Do they become red for four?
1: Yes, they do. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of okay. awkward. I mean the 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 mountains that deal damage after his ultimate are colorless, so that's kind of nice. But you still have to get there. But again, like you know, four four haste for four. That then after the fact says, you know, deal with me, otherwise I am going to get you. Like, come on, how is that not good enough?
0: I know, oh, right? Ben,
3: What's that, Max? Vengevine's not good enough.
1: Uh, that's debatable. That's debatable. The, the
3: green white, the green white um, quest deck's actually fairly strong. Um, it, it's put up a, a number of finishes um, in in like smaller tournaments. It, I, I haven't really seen it in Star City opens, um, but I don't actually see a, a whole lot of the field deck playing it either. Um, it seems like whatever, whatever Jerry Jerry T and uh, Alex um uh, whenever that group is playing, um, seems to seems to be in favor the following week, and because they know that, they then met a game against their previous iteration, and it's kind of an intre- it's it's a, it's a, it's an amusing um, tournament series from that perspective. But uh, um, I think Green White uh, Quest is actually fairly strong, and that 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 deck definitely has. Uh, uh, Ven Mhm.
0: and Max, what were you saying about the uh the architect deck? Um yeah, I was actually only saying this in the chat, but the one other
4: deck that I was playing around with is one the that Aliantrazi made, which was a mono blue. Uh, Grand Architect control, which is suit kind of similar to Greg's deck in that it's got proliferate and can randomly poison people out. Except it only has Nexus the way to give them poison counters, and it's really fun and actually has good game against most things except that it can't beat Rug to save its life. Um, and I can get a deck list if you guys want.
3: Yeah, I've actually I've I've, I've played against that deck a couple of times in like F and M. Um, it's it's it's. It's doing some some interesting things in terms of of ramping to to big artifacts that are kind of obnoxious, um, but it it can be disruptible fairly easily, which is why it just dies in a fire. It's a rug. Um, I think I would I would be surprised if a um, a blue white claw blade um, matchup isn't also just atrocious for that deck, um, which is probably why we haven't seen it put up any finishes.
4: I mean, it—it's it, it, actually the blue white cobbley matchup is not that terrible. The problem with rug is that rug just goes over your top, and you can't beat—you sure. can't—and you can't beat precursor golem. But anyway, uh, the deck seems somewhat similar, so I was just w- wondering about your thoughts on it, which I now have.
3: Yeah, I th- another another um, I guess re- related to what we were just talking about. Um, is, uh, we saw a list. Um, if I can, if I can find it, we can we can link that as well. I saw a list in the top sixteen that actually was playing Venser. Um, um, did anybody oh. else see that?
4: Was it in Star City or in the
0: Grand? I think League? it was in
3: Star City. Uh, Bane Slayer's return to, to standard. That, so in in Rick's Rick's deck, Rick Zoo uh, just one um, um, S C G L A. He's actually got a main deck Baneslayer um, along with a life stat, and two two tumble magnets in um, blue white Kala. Is that typical? To have to have a uh, tumble magnets in Kala.
0: Some some of the decks have been running it, and it's really good in the mirror. Obviously, it's also good in uh, you know against some of the more aggressive decks. Um, it's it's fine for stopping a GOP that's been you know pumped up, pumped quite, a up bit. quite a bit. I just wanted to I wanted to ask if we had anything else about Star City, Games LA, or Grand Prix Barcelona that we wanted to go over before we move on. Anything else? We went over the the blue-black infect list. Nope. Okay. Nope. Well, we will uh, move right on then. We're going to be wrapping up the show... Uh, but before we do, uh, we have a couple quick things to go over. First of all, uh, Greg wants to talk about his, uh, EDH deck. So go for that, Greg, well, and we'll move
3: on. so, so I, I actually want input if this is interesting. I don't know if, I don't know if this is the type of thing that would be very interesting to our audience, typically, because, um, spikes, some spikes really love EDH. Most of them, um, are like, uh, <laughs> um, and it's something that, that, I definitely think that um, I know that um, one of our frequent um, guest hosts, um, Jarrett, is huge into EDH, and it's definitely something that uh, I wanna I wanna go through when we have him on. So maybe maybe next next time if we get some positive feedback, I can go through it. But uh, the the sneak peek is that uh, uh, I'm a really big fan of blue blue black, and uh, I think my general is Una. Uh, I've got a preliminary list; it's far from done, and keep making changes swapping out five to 15 cards on on a on a daily basis still so uh um it's something that uh, that we can talk about um next time if that's if there's some interest unless you guys really want to but uh, otherwise i think that we'll, we'll pass today
1: i am not uh, an edh guy yeah. as much as i try i, yeah, I play it, Perry, no one likes me and then i go home
3: yeah, it doesn't, sup- doesn't really shock me, and, and I think that the there's there's, there's majority of our, our listener base will be the same way. It's my first EDH deck. It's a format that I've, I've typically tried to avoid, but uh, um, I've been playing... Actually, ironically, I've been playing a lot of Cube lately, and I, and, and I happened to um, find this deck that I just thoroughly enjoy that, that's got um, you know a bunch of blue-black pieces, and I, and I decided, well, what's one way that I can play this on a more consistent... More intentional, consistent basis without forcing the same deck every time you play Cube, because that's no fun for anybody. Um, and I just decided, well, EDH is a format that I can do that and be able to actually um, play these cards against other people that are, are interested in some kind, something of that nature. So that's kind of my, that's actually my, my, my basis for creating a deck. Because fundamentally, the EDH format isn't something that I'm attracted to, but I am attracted to playing. Um, playing some of these really ridiculous blue and and black cards. So uh, that's I guess that's my that's my teaser to see if there's anybody that's actually interested in talking about it later.
0: Yeah, if you want to hear about Greg's EDH, uh, his first EDH deck, his interest in that format, let us know. And Greg, how can they let us know?
3: Um. Yeah. So. Um, Facebook would be probably the, 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 area where I'm, I'm most curious because we can actually create like a, a, a pretty thorough dialogue. Um, you can re- reach us, um, by searching, f- f- uh, for Spikes. Um, you can, you can email us for Spikes at, at gmail.com. Um, or on Twitter, um, four Spikes, um, you can, you can give us some feedback. Actually, I've been having a running dialogue on, on my personal, um, Twitter, um, uh, which is actually G3NGR3G. If you actually go there, you can actually look at um, a handful of the conversation, and kind of how the deck um, initially came together. So maybe if you if, if you do, if you are interested, maybe that's the place to go to take it a little more offline. Um, but you can uh, you can you can certainly find us on MTG Cast and Channel Fireball, and you can um, put some feedback in the uh, in the the. I guess the message, the the comment section below, um, where you where you find this podcast. Uh, that's certainly an acceptable place. We we check all of those those areas. So if you give some feedback, we'll certainly um, um, put it in.
0: Exactly. And uh, TSG, how about you? How can the people get in touch
1: with you? Uh, I have recently opened up TSG at channelfireball dot com to the public. That's probably the best place to throw anything. Magic or not magic-related that you want to throw at me. Uh, input for my own podcast, Monday Night Magic, which I'm on fairly regularly. Magic TV with Luis Scott Vargas. Uh, those are the only currently like weekly projects that I'm a part of where you can see or hear me. Because, again, I have the attention span of a mayfly. I can't ri- read or write. Reet? Read? Read? I also have quite the dyslexia. Uh, read or write to save my life. So I'm usually the talky guy slash video guy. Gotcha. Although I don't have a body fart either, so that's why I'm on the podcast today. But anything, anything at all, TSG at ChannelFireball.com. Tristan Gregson on Twitter. Uh, and, you know, always head over to ChannelFireball.com.
0: Okay, and uh, how about you, uh, Taya? How can the people uh, get in touch with you?
1: Um,
2: the best way is on Twitter. I'm um, at WMAP, W-M-A-P.
0: Um, that's probably easiest cool alright and
4: Max Uh, yeah I'm also on Twitter at uh, Shadenfreude which is S-C-H-A-D-E-N-F-R-E-U-E-Y so we should put that on the show notes because no one's going to remember that
3: i will actually uh, tweet about it on Force Bikes um, as well yeah uh,
0: we'll put that on there so yeah we'll definitely get that out there Max no worries And for me, well, just get in touch with me through the regular uh, Four Spike stuff. Um, And again, all that will be up in the show notes. All right. Anything else before we wrap up this episode? Episode number 20?
3: Uh, Does anybody have any uh, shout outs? Max said, Max said he had a couple um, of NCAA tournament shout-outs.
1: Yeah, but this is a
3: Magic podcast, so we're going to end it here. Uh, Thanks <laughs> he for
0: it listening.
1: Off. NHL playoffs started in like two weeks. I got plenty of shout-outs. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's Sunday, so everyone competing in the uh, legacy portion of the Sarcy Games LA event, everyone I know down there and everyone I don't know but I see frequently in that area, I wish them good luck. Um, Luis is actually piloting High Tide today just because he wants to know if he can actually have an effect on the price of cards in the marketplace because he doesn't know if he's ever done it before, which I laughed at him when he said that. Uh, But to him and all the other guys down there playing Legacy, uh, I hope the format stays healthy, but I hope it also stays reasonably priced for everyone. So uh, I'm shout out to everyone down in L.A. Good luck to them. And then uh, look for uh, how many of you guys are going to make it out to uh, Dallas? I got to know real fast just in case I don't talk to you.
3: Greg, I think, is the only one. Yeah, our I'm. I'm going to be there, and then uh, um, um, our our friend Jarrett, uh, who's who's been on the cast many a time, is also going to be there. Um, yeah.
1: Well, then I will see you there, and the rest of you, I will try to follow on Twitter. Although I don't quite—that's not my forum, but whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll try to figure it out. I don't know.
0: Cool, cool. All right, thanks everyone for listening, and we will catch you next time. Adios.
1: Thanks.
3: Thanks, everybody.